I got, I'm wearing East Coast uh, today just for you guys. And the only reason I do this is because of the good people over there in, in North Carolina. North Carolina has official West Coast status and uh, East Coast man's basically riding on the coattails of North Carolina man. So shout out to East Coast man, man today. Boy, I'm, I'm a very proud parent today. Jack came. I, Jack does not like to be involved in the videos too much, so I have to be careful what I say. I, I don't think he'd mind if I said this, but uh, so Jack is is uh, 18, right? Wanting to kind of do his own thing and and uh, just finishing up with school and uh, trying to consider what to do. So we said, well, what what would you like to do? You probably want to get a job and make a little bit of money and such. So yeah, I want to get a job, and so he's applying. Uh, to be a wildland firefighter today. So that's kind of, <laughs> that's kind of exciting. I didn't push it. Uh, I just um, suggested it. I'm like, well, this is an opportunity. Uh, I might be able to make a call or two. Uh, so he's getting a little bit late season. I don't know if he'll get in this year uh, because he's got started so late. He just had his last day of school yesterday. And uh, the other problem is, is he's going to nationals for speech and debate, and that's already set. So whether or not they'll let him, give him a little bit of a deferral uh, to do that, I don't know. But uh, keep Jack in your prayers. Um, man, I'm excited for him. I, I have to say I'm a little bit envious uh, to be able to, to be 18 again and to have all of that and all those experiences in front of you is pretty darn exciting. I, I guess I get to live vicariously uh, through him on this. I'm excited about it because it'll be something that we will certainly have a lot to talk about at the end of the season uh, if he's able uh, to get into that. So Friday, man, my favorite, I guess Friday and the Sabbath are my favorite days of the week. It just, well, it just hits differently, doesn't it? Just kind of knowing that God's special day is going to be coming in and that this sunset, that there's a special blessing. God said that on the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday, he sanctified it. He set it aside sanctified it and made it holy. There's a special blessing for Proho um, that puts God first on that day and honors that because there's not a lot of people do that will really distinguish you from the unwashed masses because we know the good book tells us this, that my people shall be a peculiar people. I never liked that reading it growing up. I remember hearing, hearing the old preacher used to used to say that all the time up on the pulpit. You know, my people are a peculiar people, and he was always using that. You know, Growing up in a Christian cult, uh, we were certainly peculiar people with peculiar ways, uh, and we always kind of uh, grabbed onto that. Okay, that, that, they're speaking about us, right? Because we are the peculiar people. Well, being a peculiar person does not mean, I've come to learn since then, to, be, to make yourself a spectacle or to dress in a particular way, or wear funny hats, or uh, ridiculous clothing uh, in, a, in an attempt to let everyone know that you are so different, you know, or to, you know, that, that can almost become an idol, where your identity and how you present yourself um, can trump uh, what the real meaning of that is. I think being a peculiar people, what that means, what the instruction is to us is, Set yourself apart from the men that you come across in this world. There should be no question. No question at all. And you don't have to be Bible thumping. You don't have to be preaching to folks. But if you're working with dudes, uh, you can keep your faith to yourself. 
but you will preach that message. Being a peculiar person means that you don't partake in the things that they do, that there's something different about you. And that's when you really have power uh, to do God's work is when someone approaches you. No one wants to hear your Bible thumbing, thumping. No one wants to, wants to be around anyone that's a, uh, lording over other people or considering themselves to be more superior. Remember the, the meme from the church lady back in Saturday Night Live? You know, that, that's, that's what a lot of people view Christianity. And a lot of people are turned off because of that, because that, that never was the message, that we're on the inside group, we're, we're in the inner ring and you're not, and we're going to lord over you and, and act superior to you. Uh, that's not at all it. The best way a man can be is to be a peculiar man, meaning don't participate in the rough language. Don't participate in dishonesty or drunkenness or dragging other men down or, or, or the workshop gossip that takes place. Be peculiar in that don't be part of that and, and be an honorable man. You know, Make your word your bond. Make honesty and integrity your credo and you will stand out. You will be a peculiar man, a peculiar person when compared to your co-workers. Yeah, I think that's what that means. It's Friday. Let's loosen it up a little bit. If you guys have any particular comments or anything you'd like to bring into the discussion, throw it up there. I'll be watching the chat right here, and we'll see where it takes us. Finishing up with the irrigation, we're pretty much right. I told you guys that I figured that for all the acreage that we have to do, to get everything completely saturated, it takes about four days, and, and that's about right. Today is day four, and we pulled our last set, and everything is completely wet. It's incredible, man. I mean, I have watched in like five days with all the sunshine and such, the grass has must almost doubled in length. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible. What, what water does to a place is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. I think about the old homestead. We had a similar place, you know, I mean, elevation was very similar. Proximity to Mount Fuji was very similar. It was just roll around to the east a little bit, but a lot, you know, a lot of similarities, but one major difference was the old place we didn't have water. And about this time of year, everything was starting to get really dry and get, and the grass would be brown. And I was always worried about fire and it just had a, it just didn't feel like it was alive or living. It felt like it was dead. And it felt, and when you would go out there in it, if you wanted to, you could almost feel the life energy, the life force, the moisture just being sucked out of you in that environment. And having, I guess maybe it's the river, there's a lot of moisture that comes from that, and just an abundance of water. It's a whole different deal, just a whole different feel uh, from what we had before. Yeah, so best, key, best KCL is asking, will we plant a fruit forest? We have a couple of challenges with that, and that is the local wildlife. We have in our field, pasture, whatever you want to call it, uh, everyday deer and elk. And if you plant anything like that, the deer are not that big of a problem because you can fence them out. You know, seven foot fence, eight, eight foot fence, that will keep the deer out. I've seen them come up in the evening times where they'll actually case uh, the orchard case the garden, you know, and they're, they're looking in there, well, I'd like to have some of those strawberries or those fresh apples, etc. Uh, but they won't get through there. The elk, on the other hand, they're a whole nother deal. They're, you know, they're three times the size of a deer and very powerful and super motivated. The farmers and the local dairymen have a heck of a time dealing with them. They will crush down big fences. I mean, you don't have to exactly build a buffalo fence, but not too far from it. Those elk really tear stuff up. 
I was thinking about, um, I was talking to one of the local fourth generation, third, three or fourth generation ladies that has helped me, you know, with my field. And she always, always asks questions to her and, you know, what should I plant and what should we do? And I was, I asked her, I said, what do you think about putting in alfalfa? You know, alfalfa is a nice crop and it's a really rich, high, highly nutrient dense food and would be a good crop to grow. And she just laughed at me. She said, you put alfalfa in, you'll have every elk <clears throat> in the forest down there munching on it and they'll eat the majority of it. I wouldn't recommend it unless you're going to try to fence those guys out. And that's not, not going to happen. So to answer your question, we have just planted all of, we planted our orchard trees um, this week. Uh, apples, um, let's see, we got apples. No, I guess we just put the apples in. We haven't got them all in. Apples and the berries, that's what we got in. So we just have those inside of our eight foot fence. And hopefully, um, I think it's because it's so close to the house that we probably won't have to worry about uh, the elk. They don't tend to come up here, especially when you have a dog. Dogs, elk do not like dogs, it seems to me. Alfalfa is a food plot for deer. Yeah, well, the deer would eat it too. Between the deer and the elk, you probably wouldn't have much of a crop left, to be honest with you. We have a member message from our friend, Kaysen McClung. Shout out to you, and he's been a member with us for some time, double lock type member. Kaysen writes this. I ordered my ProHo radio package today. To say that I am stoked is an understatement. I am ready to catch the fizz. And you will have the fizz. I, I had the fizz. I, I get it. You know, it's hard to explain what that is. It's even hard to explain what's going to trigger the fizz for you or not. But I, I'm willing to bet that the three radio Proho kit is going to give you the fizz. It's, it's really, really neat stuff. I think about it all the time. We've been really enjoying working with the radios and taking that up to the next level. Super, super awesome. FN Flames asking, you know, what brand of leather gloves do I recommend? You know, it gonna, I guess it kind of depends on what you want to do with them. Um, the best leather gloves that I have, and the, probably the most lo the longest wearing that I have had, has probably been goatskin. Goatskin gloves. I bought them at a, a kind of a Western shop uh, years ago. And, and I was told that the guys that work with ropes a lot, you know, cowboy ropers and stuff, and I don't know this to be true, but I think it is, where they are really hard on gloves and they need really good dexterity to be able to, you know, do the events and such, they, the goat is really popular. It seems to wear longer. Uh, I also like buckskin. If you want something that's really, really comfortable, that's, it's not going to wear as good. It's a softer leather, but man, there is nothing better than a pair of buckskin gloves that are made properly. The most comfortable gloves, the most comfortable leather gloves I think I've ever won, wore. But if you want something nice, what my experience with that, if a manufacturer goes to the trouble of offering goatskin gloves, you know they kind of get it. They're not just trying to produce the cheapest thing. You know, if they're just trying to produce the cheapest thing, you're going to get gloves from Wells and Lamont, you know, like the three-pack you get at Costco. And I don't have any issue with that. That's a heck of a deal. You know, I don't know what it is now, but it used to be you could get three pair of gloves of the Wells and Lamont leather gloves at Costco for, I think it was less than $20. It was so, it always shocked me how cheap it was. And I had a whole bunch of them for a long time because every time we would go to Costco, I would see that and like, oh goodness, that's like a third the price of what they cost at the farm store. Because at the farm store, the very same gloves cost you about, you know, pretty close to 15, 16, maybe even 20 bucks a pair. 
but the Wells and Lamont gloves are not very good. Cheap, yes, abundant, yes, but I've explained this in the past. The difference between really nice gloves and cheap gloves is the way that they're, they're punched out. What manufacturers like Wells and Lamont will sometimes, I think often or not always do now, is when they take their cowhide, they wet it down, they get it wet and they stretch it. They stretch it, you can stretch. I mean, you, if you've ever worked with leather, if it gets wet, you know, it grows on you quite a bit. So they get it wet and then they stretch it out really thin and then they punch all the glove patterns out. Well, they get more yield that way, but it bites you on the back end because when you buy them, you know, they'll fit perfectly. You wear a large or an XL, you put them on at the store. You ever wonder why when they get a little bit wet, maybe you worked out in the field and, and you took them off and you come back and put them on a couple days later and you can't hardly even get the things on because they've shrunk so much. The reason why they shrink is because of that poor, that poor quality method of punching, of punching them when they're wet. Leather will always go back to its original form, you know, once, it's, once it gets wet and dries up a little bit. It's not dried properly. And so it just goes back to its natural shape and then you have to, you know, deal with that. You know, eventually they'll stretch back out, but they're very uncomfortable and they cause blizzards, blisters and such like that. Your nicer gloves, you know, and I don't have specific brands to give you, but just to what to look for when you're looking at them. If you call them or ask a manufacturer, and there's a, some small companies that are making some really good stuff. There is a company, I wish I could remember the name of it, that cowboys just swear by. And the cowboys that work with barbed wire fence use these gloves. And if you do a search for heavy-duty leather gloves, barbed wire, something like that, you'll find them. And they're not cheap. These gloves are probably cost anywhere from $60, maybe up, even up to $80. But these are probably some of the best gloves that you'll have, and they will last you a long, long time, maybe even a decade if you take care of them, you know, if you're not digging in gravel and rocks and such. You know, save your cheap gloves for that. Uh, but I guess what I've been told with these gloves is you can grab on like full strength right onto barbed wire and they won't, it won't penetrate, won't get through, and you still have dexterity. And I believe they're goatskin, uh, to be honest with you. But that's what I, I always kind of look for. So when you're asking, when you look at, just make sure that they don't pre-wet the leather before they stamp them, and then you'll have a lot better glove. Good question. We have a super chat from Mr. Rick Gates. Shout out to you, brother. Thank you. That was very generous of you. Sure to appreciate that. No comment, just supporting, supporting the, uh, what we got going on here. And thank you, Kaysen, for ordering your Proho radio. That's going to be out there, and you're going to enjoy it. I, I'm, I'm conf confident. We have a super chat from our friend, Mr. Kyle B. Shout out to you, Kyle. Good to see you back in the comments as well. Kyle has been a very faithful supporter of the channel, and we really appreciate that, Kyle. Good to see you. He says, Cody, as always, thanks for the advice over the years. I think I, I, think I am buying the Bug Out Overlander today. Question, is a libertarian lady worthy of entertaining as a potential wife, a libertarian. So what is a libertarian? What do you think, what do you think of when you think libertarian? Labels, man, all these labels. Don't we love labels to, to cast upon people? Has it always been that way? Is, all, is everyone that way or is that just our particular culture? You know, I think what it is with labels, and this may be our particular culture, what's the first question or What's a question that comes up between people that you meet when you're strangers, usually within the, the first minute or two? Well, it is. So what do you do for work? 
you know, once you get past the small talk, we, that's the, really the first question where you get into the meat of the matter, where you've just been politely corresponding back and forth, small talk, but now you want to know. That's what we want to know. I've asked it, you've asked it, we've all asked it. It's, it's, we're dying to know what it is. If you don't, and, and why is that? Why do we ask that question? Well, you're trying to categorize someone. You're trying to put them in a category and you're trying to decipher or determine what level of respect to put upon this person, right? I mean, that, that's the truth of, it, truth of the matter, right? Or, or whether you want to put further effort into this conversation. Uh, are they, do they have something that's interesting to talk about? Do they have something that may be in common with you? Because I assure you, I mean, if you walk up to a guy who, uh, you, if a guy answers two different ways, if one guy says, and I'm not casting any shade on anyone, you know, I don't have, I'm just, I'm just speaking the way that it is. But you say the guy repeats and says, oh, I, I drive, uh, you know, I, I drive a forklift at a, at a small manufacturing plant. Okay, is there anything wrong with driving a forklift at a small manufacturing plant? Well, absolutely not, of course not. Just a regular, good, normal type of dude, right? Whereas, the guy says, oh, I fly eight to A-10 Warthogs. Well, <laughs> you know, that's a whole different deal, isn't it? You know, one guy is gonna, you're going to give a lot more respect to, and you're going to be very uh, interested about what he has to say because he has something that you've never seen before, right? So uh, labels, labels are important to us because it helps us to categorize that person. Um, I don't know why we do that, but we just do that. So what is a libertarian? When I think of a libertarian, I think of someone that, uh, libertarian, that is a live and let live type of person. Um, that does not want um, to be told what to do, an independent, free thinker, typically, someone that doesn't rely or doesn't want to rely on big daddy government uh, for handouts or for solutions to problems. Uh, they want to live their life to be left alone and to live and let live, uh, kind of a non-judgmental type of movement, I guess, or, or lifestyle is what I would, they would, most people would probably say. Libertarians don't often, I don't know that they really pursue their line of thinking about the beliefs that they hold secure. What would that look like in a functioning society? Uh, I don't know. Maybe they do, maybe they do. I don't know, man. I, I don't know if you've given me enough information. I would need to know a lot more than that if you were wanting to entertain a woman for potential marriage. Just her claiming to be a libertarian doesn't mean anything. Women by and large, will adapt to their environment. You can, those of us that have been around the block a few times will all attest to this, and, and those of you who are older proho like me, put sevens in the chat if I'm on the right, picking up, if you're picking up what I'm laying down here. Women will adapt to their situation. I can't tell you how many times I, when I was younger and dating, and I've seen this with friends, girls will come out of college um, with all sorts of cra crazy leftist lunatic ideas. A and they, when you first meet them and date them, you know, they'll very, very proudly be promoting this and they feel this about this and social justice and, and what have you. But it doesn't take too long if they're with a strong conservative man uh, that is not afraid 
that, that courageously sticks to his guns on his faith and his belief and such, it won't take very long before she will come into line and, and, and understand your, and be, agree with your way of thinking. You know, it's, it's women will often adopt, you know, what, what it is a dominant or a strong man that they love and respect, they'll adopt that and they'll come, come correct. Uh, they, they will abandon the things that they have, maybe the socializing that they were experiencing or the group of people they were around that believed a particular way, they will abandon that quite rapidly. It's, it's, that's not a, a big concern. My, so where does her libertarianism come from? That's very unusual for a female to be a libertarian. I haven't seen too many of that. My question would be, was the guy that she dated last, was he a libertarian? Has she adopted that, you know? What is the relationship with her father? What is the relationship with her parents, her siblings and such? There's a whole lot more FedEx trucks. Sorry about that. That's a noisiest, filthy diesel. Filthy. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know. I can't say. Give, give me, Kyle, give me some more information. I would need, need more of a, a rate my proho type of um, explanation here attached to her to be able to give you good advice. Thank you. We have a super chat from Mr. Nolan Millerin. Shout out to you, brother. That's very generous of you. $20. Thank you. Appreciate that. Nolan writes this. Sir, I wanted to say thank you. I didn't have a good role model growing up and God brought you into my life. I failed myself a lot in life, but you have been a great guide to the right path in life. God bless you, sir. You know, I, I really appreciate that. I have not wrote down, written down what you just did there, but I have expressed this um, to other men in my life when I was younger. Mentors, not very many of them. I didn't meet very many of men in my life that made an impression upon me, but a very small few that I could look back that had a tremendous influence on me. And I don't know that I would be here today without them. And, you know, the good book tells us iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. You will, my experience, I have found, <clears throat> I always, I've been in situations where I've been with guys that were better than me, and I've been with guys that were worse than me. With, I'm, you know, you can you can go to you can talk. There's two different things I'm talking about here. You can talk about worse than me being not as gifted physically to do a particular task, or morally. I've been around people that that had that were more had more integrity, um, that were harder working, um, that were maybe more honorable. You know, I'm talking about when I was young in my younger days when I was trying to find my footing and you know go, keep kept, kept getting off track. And I always found that when I would put myself in the presence of men that were better than me, I would, it would bring my game up. If I could go skiing with guys that were faster than me, motorcycle riding with guys that were better than me, faster than me, more talented, it elevated me. They brought me up to their level, and we all got better. But if I got to the point where I was the best rider or I was the best at a particular thing, and I, there, were, there were people that were not as good underneath me, I, I, I felt like I plateaued and I would never push myself. I would just kind of rest on my laurels and, and that was always good enough for me. I would never rise up and, and try to do better. And it's really important 
who you are around and who you surround yourself. And this is a, a very important lesson to those of you guys that are young, maybe just coming out of high school. The people that you put into your life, the, the people that you invite into your life that you choose to spend time with, you will most likely never graduate beyond their intellect or their ability, their careers, jobs, whatever. You'll most likely never go out of that. You, you will simply just stay there. So if you want to kind of know what your future looks like, if you want to put your Nostradamus hat on and see what, what's my life going to be like in 20 years, well, it's going to depend a lot around the people that you hang out. Now, on the other hand, if you can swallow your pride and you can put yourself in an environment where you are amongst your betters, um, more intellectual, more smarter, um, maybe better at a particular field that you're interested in, you will quickly be brought up to their level. They will carry you along with them. It's just a fact of, of life. It's very important, your mate selection, of course. You know, really the three most important decisions in a man's life would be, number one, whether or not you're going to serve your God. You know, that's going to have major consequences not only for your future, the future life to come, but, but for your daily walk, whether your life is full of fear and anxiety, frustration, aggravation, consternation, or you go through life with a helpmate, which is the Holy Spirit. Peace, contentment. I'm not saying easy. Oftentimes the walk, the life a Christian walks is going to be more difficult if you were just to you know, compare it to a normie. But the difference is you have a helper and you have the peace that defies all understanding. So I appreciate that, Nolan. I mean, and I do the same thing. You know, I mean, there's all, we always have a better. None of us have ever arrived. If any man thinks that he's arrived and he's got no way to improve or to get better, well, he's a fool. You know, you never stop learning. You never stop learning. And being around like-minded men that appreciate the importance of a man's word about honesty and integrity, about doing the right th thing, about the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. If you follow these tenets, you know, you will attract these type of men. These type of men will demand it. You know, there are... There are men that have really wanted to get involved in our inner circle, whether that be you know with the dirt bike, you know, and the war band and stuff. But they don't hold these values, you know, and they they're not, you know, we'll give them them a chance. But if a guy, you know, can't take care of his own things and doesn't come prepared, uh, and you know is bringing things that are inappropriate into the conversation, um, you know, that's just not something that we want. You know, we have a high standard and and we we protect that. Be a peculiar people. Be a, you know, that's what we're talking about here. We have a super chat from Mr. Thomas Ostrowski and member. Shout out to you, brother. Good to see you here. Who writes, I have a Tradcon friend who'd make an incredible wife, but she's not physically attracted to me, attractive to me. How important is that if she checks every other box? How important is that? Yeah, for men, that's pretty important. I mean, that's re really... You know, I haven't really considered this before. My dad used to say something when I was young and dating. He said, you know what? He goes, don't get, don't get too hung up on, on this notion of the one. 
soulmate. All of this, this is a bunch of nonsense that's been peddled through Hollywood and the media that doesn't happen. This idea of marrying for love or attraction is a relatively new thing, and it was not done, rarely done in the past. It was an agreement between two people. It was a contract. It was very common, and I think I'm going to, speaking of Nostradamus, I'm going to go on record here and say, I have joked, Mrs. W and I have joked in the past about having a son, trying to raise up a son that's right, and when you start looking out and surveying the options out there for him, and some of these 304s that are out there on the horizon, you start thinking, goodness, these Jezebels, he has no idea. I wish, sometimes we used to joke, I wish that we could get back to arranged marriages, where a sober, intelligent family, father and mother together, getting together with other like-minded fathers and mothers who have the same values and, and the same faith belief, to get together and, and, and make arrangements for their children um, to pair up when they're of age, when they get older. Uh, who makes a better decision for a life mate? Would it be your parents who are looking out for your best interest more than anyone? They're going to be not raging with hormones and lust and desire, but will be able to be objective, take a look at the family, consider, make good decisions, because you know, give, give the children every chance possible uh, for success. Would that not be, would the success rate not be a bit higher if we would get back to that a little bit? But of course, that's preposterous, you know? I mean, that, that, that would never fly, especially with these 304s out here. Um, but I have, I'm, I'm a little bit surprised how many times I have heard that come up in the last three months, where people that are in our camp, you know, trying to do the right things, trying to raise children with, with Christian values, are having these conversations, um, that this may be something that we get back to because of, of just the, the low quality nature of so many of these uh, people out there that just do not, are not compatible with our faith and our belief system. You're almost guaranteed you're going to have a problem or a rocky start. So, that being said, how important is just looks? The goal of marriage in the past was not to have a soulmate that you just was the, per, you know, all of this Hollywood nonsense. It was a business deal, like I said. It was for mutual, each, each, it was for one another's benefit. I want children. She wants to have children. We need each other to do this. I need help running a business. It was an, it helped both people. It was an agreement. And what typically ends to happen, or it tends to happen, is that if you, if she is a quality person, even though you may not be physically attracted to her, if you're 100% sure that she will be there, she was, she's a right, she will struggle with you, she will be there to be an asset to you, to help you in your businesses, to help raise your children, um, to help take care of your home. And if you're 100% convinced that all these things are, are going to be there and she's going to come through for you, you know, as my dad said, you learn to love anyone. And I can tell you after 20 years with a woman that e even if she was, let's say that she was physically deformed, you know, maybe a car fire or, or something and, and didn't have the looks that I fell in love with or what I'm used to, would I think less of her? Would I abandon her for that? And the answer is I would not. It wouldn't be very high on my priority list because we've been 20 years together. 
she has proven herself to be a loyal, faithful, loving wife and an extraordinary mother, a proper TradCon pro-ho wife, like the gold standard. And I don't know, I don't know how I could prove, improve upon that. And is 100% faithful to me and always has been. I love her for that now. I loved her and, and started courting her and, and asked her to marry me. A lot of it, I liked her personality, of course, but I really didn't know any, her. You know, how can you really get to know someone within a year that you haven't lived with? You know, I was assuming, you know, you, but you can't really. But I, I guess the initial attraction from that was the physical, you know, obviously. If that wasn't, it wouldn't have been there, I don't know that it would have progressed beyond that. And that's because I didn't see things the way I see them now. But now, even if that was taken away, I would still be faithful and happily, happily married and love that woman because she's proven herself to be faithful and we have so much history together. So I wouldn't be concerned with that too much. Uh, if you could look beyond that and you know that she's high quality and you know that she's going to ride or die, then you can learn to love anyone. And the respect that will come from this woman that's been by your side and shoulder to shoulder with you pulling you know, pulling in harness together, um, you will, an admiration, a respect will turn into love, um, especially if she gives you children. You know, that, that brings a whole nother, that's a whole nother element. So I would say, of course, everyone wants to have an attractive, beautiful woman, but the way things are now, you know, that's not going to be an option for anyone. So would I rather be with someone that's a little bit more of a plain Jane, that's loyal and faithful? than be alone and have children and a family? I would say yes. I would say I would probably move forward with this. With, that's my advice with a little bit that I've known. And the other thing, you know, if you are marrying beneath you, and I'm just talking physically, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is, right? We have a scale of one to 10. We can rate sexual market value or attractiveness. Some people are more attractive than others. It's not a mean thing to say. It's just the way that it is, according to the standard by which we judge, which is symmetry. You know, so that's the way it is. Um, yeah, I'd probably move forward with it. And if you, as I said, but to close on this, if you do get with someone that may be beneath you physically or a couple points below you in attractiveness, you, you, it's very unlikely she, she'll stray on you because she knows that she's got a good thing and she's going to value that. It's, if, if a woman marries down, then she, she will oftentimes have an eye on the street hoping to exercise her hypergamy, you know, her monkey branching. Um, and that's always a concern. I've worked with guys that married hot women that were probably out, out of their league and they were some miserable people. They were always worried about them. They were always, you could never, they could never relax. It was amazing watching them in social situations. I watched a guy one time that was a, I thought he was a Chad, man. Good looking guy, really attractive, you know, good build, decently tall, motivated, ambitious. You know, he was young, but he was, had a lot of potential. And I thought, man, this is, this guy is a standout dude. He hooked up and got involved with a single mother. He was probably only 20. He actually worked for me for a little, for a summer. Got involved, had his own business at 19. Got involved with a single mother, and she was attractive, no question about it. But man, the last time I saw him, he could, we couldn't even have a conversation. All he could do was watch this woman. It was in a crowded public type of venue, and all he could do, I'm talking to him, I'm trying to talk to him, all he could do is to look her and watch her around because he was worried about her. He had no peace. Door open. He had no peace because of this. 
Whereas you have someone, you get a girl next door, you know, maybe more of a plain Jane, you know, she's going to be a lot more grateful for what she has and she's, she knows it's going to be very difficult or maybe impossible to ever do better. So that's kind of, kind of the way it works. Kind of the way it works. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. We have a $20 super chat from our friend Nolan Millerin. Oh, I think I already read that. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. I'm getting out or struggle streaming here. But Thomas, let us know what you decide. Um, if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, just understand, just be practical about it. Okay, I'm not feeling it now, but it will come. If she's quality, you know, if she's high quality, then I would I'd, I'd probably pursue it. We have a super chat. From Mr. Ryan Hyatt. Shout out to you, Ryan. Good to see you back here. Double alternator member. Ryan writes, is there a place outside of the live stream that members can talk? I'm wrenching on cars during the stream usually. Thanks for fighting the good fight. Yeah, so the, the Signal app, there's a, you can reach out, you know, maybe one of the middlemen. I, I don't know. They're running that. I don't get involved in that too much. There's a big group. The Big Fizz was one of the original ones, a big group of guys on Signal um, that are building community over there. So you might check into that. So I don't know for sure, but pose that up there. And if there's an option or a link or a, an inroad to that, maybe one of the middlemen can throw that up there for you. Thank you, Ryan. I sure appreciate that. And we have a super chat from Max Mortar. Shout out to you, Max. Max writes, another Oregonian I'd love to be mentored. Well, we're working towards that, you know. Uh, we're working towards that. What we want to do what we want to do is we want to make we want to have an opportunity to do this, right? It, it's we have to be realistic. You know, we can't we don't have the ability to have like hundreds of people come by. But what we're working on right now, Mrs. W and I with with you know, we're going to start Lord willing building the new house this summer. Within 12 months, we should be in that. And then we're also preparing the house that we're in now to receive that, you know, to be that community center. So I would say, you know, I, I hate to put schedules out there, but I would say 18 months, with 24 months, probably 18 to 24 months, we should be up and going and running and, and making the first opportunity available. It'll be most likely for couples and it'll probably be small, um, six couples, five, six, seven couples maybe at a time for probably two, three, or four day classes. Now, what will that, or what will that be? Well, that'll be a lot of different things. It'll be fun things, and it'll be practical things. You know, I will lead some things myself, some things that I understand how to do, you know, whether it might be basic cross-cut saws or the, uh, how, to, how to restore hand tools or that some of the things that I've shared that I know how to do, but there's also some really great talent in the valley here as well as out there amongst you guys you know some of the middlemen evan for example you know guys have been talking how cool would it be to bring evan out evan and his family for a three-day uh radio clinic where you bring your proho kit evan's here and he's walking us through it we go up into the mountains you know maybe we've got dirt bikes you know i'll be you know trying to raise money for this try to bring some high quality sponsors in, you know, who knows, you know, maybe we could even get some, someone like a Honda that could sponsor 
the work that we're doing here and by providing motorcycles where the group could go up and, and have a motorcycle day. Or we take the motorcycles up or Evan shows us how to set up a mobile re repeater. Uh, you know, that sort of thing is what I really want to do. And, and there, isn't, there aren't any rules, we can do anything. I want to do wild edibles in the fall. I would love to have some of the guys out here uh, with your families and, and show you how to find the, the chanterelle mushrooms and the huckleberry picking and the canning and all that sort of thing and the apple pressing. You know, there's a lot of different things that we can do, but we, to do that, we need the facility and we want to do it right and properly. We want you, if you're going to dedicate the time to take a week off of your busy schedule and come halfway across the country, we want this to be something that's going to be done properly where you're going to get value and you're going to learn something. And then that's half of it, half of it. And the other half is going to be the camaraderie and the fellowship. That just coming out, I know for us, when Mrs. W and I were getting started and wanted to do this, wanted to get out of the city, wanted to sell our city home and get out in the country, wanted to raise our kids in a more wholesome environment where we had more control, more freedom, that that seemed insurmountable to us. We didn't even know where to begin. Yeah, you can read the books, you can watch the videos, but I mean, it's hard to get started sometimes. And we went out, we got invited to a couple's house that had been doing it for about 20 years, and we saw it happening. We saw, I saw the backup generator. I saw how they were doing their own food, their orchard, their garden. I saw how they dealt with the snow. I, you know, I just saw all the elements of an off-grid lifestyle that I had never seen before. This was all completely new to me. And when Mrs. W and I spent three days up there with them, seeing that and learned, we learned so much that that was it for me. Now we knew. There was no question in my heart. When I was kind of fearful and waffling before, not knowing what to do, or didn't feel like I had the skill set to do all the things that were going to need to be done, when I saw that it was possible and there were people doing it, I was so encouraged. And that on that trip home from Montana, uh, Mrs. W and I laid the foundation for everything here, and that was you know almost 20 years ago. And had it not been for that experience, I don't know that we would be here today. And that's what we want to offer. We want to be able to do that same thing. You know, again, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. We encourage one another. That's why the body of Christ is instructed to, to, to make sure that you stay plugged in with one another. Because when you're weak, there's another man in your friend group or your war band or what have you that's strong, that carries you. You carry one another. You encourage. You lift up one another. You help one another get through the sad times or the hard times. And then when you're on a high, you have extra to give out to your friends and you can pour a little bit of that love on them as well. Thank you, Kyle and Nolan. Sure do appreciate you guys supporting us here. All right, we have, I'm, we're back into struggle stream here. We have a super chat from Max Mortar. Shout out to you, Max. Thank you for your generosity. Max writes, with a friend, with a friend, don't know till you work together. Yeah, you don't, you don't really know a friend until you work together. That's true. My granddad said, you, there's two ways you can learn about a man. When you, to learn the true man. You know, look behind the mask. Because there's some pretty crafty guys out there. I mean, I, I like you. I think all of us have had a man in our life that we were drawn to, uh, that we considered to be a friend, have put, put effort into that friendship, only to be betrayed. And that's the worst betrayal, man, when someone that you trust like that. Well, I think maybe the worst betrayal would be from direct family, from a wife or, or children. 
Goodness, can you imagine that? To be betrayed by your children would be bad, but a good friend is, is definitely second, is right up there. That's happened to me. Um, and when I think about it, the, you know, the men that, that have betrayed me, there's two things that I never did with them. I didn't work with them, and I never went hunting with them. <laughs> you could probably put fishing in that. What you've got to do is you'll find your friends. You'll find what a true guy is like when, you, when he gets pressed a little bit. And if you work with someone, especially if you're doing difficult work, like blue-collar work, construction work, where you might be outside and you find yourself often frustrated, difficulties, problems, stresses, those stresses are too much for most people, that, that will break down the mask. And you'll see the true man. You'll see his level of honesty, how he treats and how, how he treats his boss with his time. Is he honest about his time? Is he giving good value to the man that is writing his paycheck? Does he steal things at work? Does he take care of another man's equipment? You see all you need to see when you work. You work with a guy for a month and you'll know everything. You'll hear his talk. You'll hear what he says about his wife. You'll see what he says about the opposite sex. You'll, you'll know all you need to know. I don't know that it's the work that's really the important thing. It's to put someone in a stressful situation. I took a, I, when I was younger, this would probably have been in my early, early to mid-20s or so, I was really into big wall rock climbing. I started with a good friend of mine, we started climbing together, and we really got into it. We got into it so much that we basically took a year off uh, and just traveled around all around the West Country and to, to all of the premier climbing spots. And that was our whole life. You know, you, you get into something like that was our entire life. You know, we were living out of a Volkswagen bus, you know, micro bus, and down at Joshua Tree and Smith Rock and Yosemite and Leavenworth and all the premier climbing areas and, and doing all of that. And so as we were traveling, we would spend the weekends when we were in a new town and you go out to a bar or a brew pub and, you know, hang out, meet people, meet girls and such. And we'd always meet guys because uh, both of us were just kind of, you know, high energy, uh, not afraid to talk to people. And, and, you know, when the alcohol starts flowing, people get friendly and you, just, you start talking and meeting people. Well, conversation would always come back to, what are you guys up to and what are you doing out here? Well, we're rock climbing. Oh, man, I've always wanted to go rock climbing. You know, I, 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 could you take me? This happens so many times. And we would always say, well, yeah, sure, we got extra stuff. You know, we got some extra harnesses. We're going to be here at this time. Uh, if you want to come rock climbing, be here. You know, we'll set a top rope, show you a few things, and bring you along, right? Well, what we found with almost all of the guys, many of them would talk a lot of tough Tough, tough about how they're going to do this and they're going to do that and, and uh, bragging, braggadocious, and, and, or maybe even talk about all the great climbing things that they've done in the past. But I'll tell you what, man, you'll find, a, you're, you'll find your true character of your man when you get him up on an exposed face uh, up off the ground. About, it happens at about 40 feet, about 40 feet up or so, which is about your second pitch or so. You find out the real man uh, when he wants to be let down. <laughs> you, know, you, you see, all you need to go need to do, and, and all of that bravado and all of that bragging, and all of his BS, uh, all of it completely is transparent. You saw the man when he was up there, when he was stressed, when he was afraid, when he was frightened. The true character came out. Granddad always said, "If you want to find out the nature of a man, just take him hunting." 
take him hunting in a difficult hunt where it's going to be super cold. This would be elk hunting, like up in, uh, we used to elk hunt up in the Hell's, up Hell's Canyon area, up in the northeast corner of Oregon, right, where Oregon, Washington, and Idaho all come together. The Hell's Canyon's a deep canyon up there. It's deeper than the Grand Canyon even, and that's where I grew up hunting. You take a man over there around uh, the end of October, that's usually about the time elk season starts, that's when it's starting to get really cold, snow's coming in, and you're up there in a very austere environment, no power, wall tents, and a rugged environment, uh, you find out very quickly. You'll see who shirks duties, uh, who complains about the cold, who eats uh, their unfair share of food, who, who doesn't cut their fair share of firewood. You know, you, you learn all you need to know up there and you learn it pretty quickly. But yeah, Max is right. He's absolutely right. Mr. Evan Dixon. Good to see you. Evan Dixon is our resident radio expert here. He's got a comment. Proho radio kits are rocking and rolling, he's telling me. Spoke to at least a dozen customers today. Salt of the earth, folks, grateful for this brotherhood. Now, as a quick reminder, and Evan, if you would be so kind, or maybe one of the middlemen, if you could throw up the link, the Proho radio link to Evan, that opportunity to get your three radio kit is, is going to be um, coming to an end at, at the, I believe, is that this weekend? The end of this weekend. So put that up there. You still have a chance to get the Proho radio kit. Evan has um, opened that up for a couple more days. And if you have the means to do it, uh, it's well worth it. It's a, it's a good kit, and that will take care of your radio communication problems. And this is something, this is, $500 is a lot for your comms kit. I get that. That's, that's real money. No, no, no one's saying it's not. <clears throat> but many of us have spent more than that on things that we're putting in a cabinet or a closet that we don't use on a regular daily basis just for the hope that we may need it. You know, we've all done that. This is something that you can roll into your life that will enhance and help your life immediately, um, especially if you're an outdoor type of guy. If you haven't had a reliable radio comm set that you can keep in touch with family, friends, activities, hunting, fishing, lots of different things. Just even if you go camping, you know, we live in a dangerous world. If you've got little kids running around, there's no reason why you can't poke one of these things in there, put it in their pocket and just reach out and touch them especially when you're in areas that don't have cell coverage. These radios are a godsend for a situation like that. Thank you, Evan. I sure do appreciate that. And we, we appreciate the good work that you're putting into this kit as well. We have a super chat from Sped Main Battle Toaster. Shout out to you. I heard, I got to shut this door. Excuse me, guys. It looks like a thunderstorm is kicking up. We're supposed to have some lightning coming. I am more and more concerned. We went on a big, we had the, the war band met in strength last night and we went out for a good, a really good moto ride. And boy, I, the conditions right now, you know, a couple of us have got some experience with, you know, wildland fire and familiar with what goes on in the forest. The conditions right now are really shaping up for a devastating fire season. I cannot believe how dry it is. We're at the we're still in May and it is dusty. It it it's so dry out there. I it it's it's going to concern me. I I told Jack. I said, "Well, if you're going to if you're really thinking about joining a hand crew, you know, if he gets on, he would most likely be an entry-level position uh, for a hand crew 
a type two hand crew, he might be very busy this summer. Very, very busy. Sped main battle toaster has a super chat and he writes this. I know this kind of talk is goofy, goofy and all, but yesterday you mentioned that you would not call yourself an alpha, but more of a loner or outlier. We call that Sigma, LOL. I aspire to uh, badass like that. Yeah, I, I have heard that. I think every, it's very, the, the Sigma male, the Sigma grind, I'm familiar with all of this, the different characteristics. And, Big Brother's watching. Uh, I think is the archetype that a lot of us would like to fit into. You know, kind of the, the Keanu Reeves type of character where you do your own, you know, you do your own thing. It's very appealing. I don't know, I don't know if that's true or not. Uh, it appeals to a lot of us because it, it's kind of the coolest of all of the different uh, categories that men allegedly fall into, but I don't know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how much there is to that. I think there may be, but there are certainly personality types. There definitely are alph alphas, but there aren't very many of them. Uh, there are, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to say to that. I know that I'm not an alpha, though, for sure. I, I don't. I don't like it. I don't. I don't want. I don't want all the ad admiration. I don't want a group of orbiters around me. I, it has, has no interest to in me whatsoever. I, I do know with alphas, though, I, I have a difficult time getting along with them. Um, and they have a difficult time getting along with me. <laughs> they, uh, we've never, it's very, it's a, always, a, it's somewhat of a strange relationship. It is, um, I've had an alpha size me up, try to bring me into the orbit or the inner circle as a lieutenant or a captain you know, in a, in a social environment, um, but I just won't, f won't conform to it and, and won't, and I, it ends up frustrating the alpha and I end up, we end up not being friends. <laughs> so, and, but not, I would say acquaintances, we, ne we never have a, like a knockdown drag out or anything and I'm never challenging an alpha for his position. I just uh, kind of laugh at him and move on. We have a super chat from Oh, thank, and thank you, uh, oh man, struggle stream here. Thank you, uh, Speed Main Battle Toaster. For some reason, I, right before the live stream, I was uh, uploading a couple short videos and I was flipping, while I was waiting for that to upload, I was flipping through a couple TikTok videos. And one of the best ones I've ever seen before, which really, it really puts a finger on the pulse of the way people feel. And let me ask you how you'd feel if, I'll, I'll try to paint the picture. Oh, you hear that lightning? That lightning is going to start fires. It's dry enough. What I saw yesterday in the forest, it's dry enough where it wouldn't surprise me if we get some lightning strike fires like tonight. Let me ask you a question. So let's say 10 years ago, if you were to see a United States aircraft carrier coming into port, would you not be would you not be filled with pride knowing that you are uh, a member or a portion of the most powerful country that has ever graced this earth um, with uh, like a carrier battle group, a U.S. carrier battle group is a formidable thing. 
And I would have to say, as a patriotic man, I, that would have, I would have been filled with pride to see that, that great show of force. You know, it would have been something that I would have been very proud of. It would have, I guess it would have triggered a sense of patriotism and duty and, and just the proud, the, proud, the, the proud feeling that comes from being an American. Let's fast forward that to, to today. The TikTok video was shot from like a pier and far away, you know, maybe a mile away, was a U.S. carrier coming into port to dock or something. I don't know the area. It doesn't make any difference. The important thing was the background music that was being played because this a, a picture paints a thousand words. You want to know what music they were playing in this TikTok video? It was the that Empire music from Star Wars. You know the the classic Star Wars theme that would always play whenever you see like a, the evil empire ships. I'm, not a, I'm a Star Trek guy, not a Star Wars guy, so I don't know all the, the ships and everything. I don't follow that close. But it, it was so, such a powerful image because what that was, was showing was as we've grown up, we've always sided with following Star Trek, we've always sided with Luke Skywalker and the Rebels. The ragtag small underdogs against the great powerful um, empire you know, with the big battle star destroyers and, the, and all that stuff, right? They were always the bad guys, and they'd play that dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. You know that music, right? Well, that music was playing as this U.S. battle carrier was coming into view, aircraft carrier was coming into view, and it was the perfect portrayal. It's like, yes, that is the bad guys. That, that, you know, I, I never would have thought that before. I would have always looked upon the U.S. military and the government at, 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 with pride at that ship. But seeing that, that come into port with that music playing, it put everything into perspective of who the bad guys really are. Unbelievable. Unbelievable how quickly our eyes have opened and we can see. Now, this has got nothing to do with the good men and women that are serving. We're not talking about that. I'm not saying that they're the enemies of Proho. There are good intentioned people in there. I'm talking about a system that is not, well, it's not, not really looking out for our best interests. Mama Kitty, you're messing. It is Friday. It is Friday. You know what that means? You get a little extra love here. I thought that that was kind of, hey, don't be scratchy. You don't be scratching. You are a feral animal. Don't bite me. Goodness, you make me nervous, that cat. Ooh, we're in for a big one. Man, nothing like a, a summer storm. Thank you, Speed Main Battle Toaster. We have a user comment from our friend Zane. Zane has been with us for 10 months. Triple Loctite member, shout out to you. These streams are such a pleasure. As always, I learn a lot from them. Thank you so much. You know, it's, you just, it's very one-sided here. Obviously, I'm, I'm the only one talking, but that's how men lear learn is by spending time together and, and co conversing, having conversations. And that's how we build friendship, and that's how we build strength and numbers and community. If you look at just, if you want to look and just look at out through the world and this country and the way our society is, and look at how many things are done to keep us apart to keep men, like men-only groups, you can't have a men, man's-only group because without someone, you know, other, you know, w women and f saying, well, we want to be part of all that because 
I think that there has been a concerted effort to discourage that from the spider, whoever's in control, you know, the elites, because they know when like-minded men get together, history is written and things change and governments are toppled and tyranny is done away with. But if you can keep men separated, thinking that they're isolated, thinking that they're alone, that there are no, there's no one else like them in despair, in hopelessness, then nothing will ever get fixed and nothing will ever happen. So it's natural for all of us to, to realize how important it is for us to get together here. The bad side is, is that you guys don't have an equal voice, that we can't sit together and come up with plans to, to encourage one another, to, to learn from one another, to educate one another. It's kind of one-sided. But I assure you, um, I'm not here an expert sitting on an ivory tower talking down to anyone. I'm benefiting from this as well. The good people that have come into my life, just like Evan said, the quality of people that are coming in and buying the three radio kit that, that he's exposed to is breathtaking to him. It just is a testimony to the hunger and the desire for like-minded men, like men to feel that they're not alone in this struggle. And this is the best that we have. Do you know about the hundred monkeys? Have you ever... Boy, that is really raining out there. That's like Florida rain. Goodness. Do you know the experiment with the hundred monkeys? It's been some, some time since I heard this, so I may get it wrong, but I, I think I can get the gist of it. There were some researchers that went to an uninhabited island that was, well, it was inhabited with a, a, a troop of monkeys. And they started feeding these monkeys sweet potatoes. And the monkeys loved the sweet potatoes. They would drop the sweet potatoes, I don't know if it was from aircraft or what, at a particular area, and the monkeys learned to do this. Good grief, it is absolutely going off out there. I hope you can hear me. Then they switched it up. They dropped the sweet potatoes, rather in a nice green field, they dropped them into the sand, and they were all sandy. And the monkeys were very sad about this because they had sand all over them and they would try to eat the sweet potatoes that they loved so much. But the fact that they had sand on them, it just wasn't worth the effort and they quit eating them. They grabbed, they, they, I don't know if they grabbed or they got two monkeys and they taught them something. They taught them how to take these sweet, sandy sweet potatoes down to the water to wash them off so that they could eat them. And then they introduced these two monkeys to the rest of the troop. Well, the two monkeys that knew how to wash the sweet potatoes would go down there. And it didn't take very long before the other monkeys realized that they could do this as well. And before long, the hundred monkeys were all enjoying the sweet potatoes again because they had been taught by the two to eat these, to wash and eat. The thing that was so astonishing about this experiment is... After this isolated troop of monkeys had all learned this clever trick, they went to an adjacent island that was completely cut off from the original one. And you know what they found there with those monkeys? The, these were monkeys that had monkeys knew instinctively to wash them. And they had learned... The, the takeaway from this was this, that collective understanding amongst all of the monkeys in that Pacific Island 
My goodness, I have not seen rain like this maybe ever in the Pacific Northwest. Unbelievable. It's like the hand of God has just released the clouds. That is unbelievable. It's goodness. I can't believe it. There's literally two inches of standing water is coming in the shop. I know, Mama. Don't, don't, stop scratching me. Stop scratching me. The point of telling you the story is this, that somehow the collective group of all monkeys in that area, because one of them, one small group of them have come to the understanding of this new skill that they learned just through the, there was a collective learning. So I don't know what that means. I don't know how that's possible, but there's something about that. If we, even though we're a small group right here, just coming to the realization of the truth of life, this knowledge, I think, is going to spread in ways that we can't possibly understand, just like the knowledge of the sweet potato spread to the adjacent islands of the monkeys. I probably got a lot of it wrong, but go look it up yourself. Wow, we have a super chat, or a we have a, a new member, Dark Angel, shout out to you. I can barely hear myself over the sound. We have a $20 super chat from our friend, Kaladam Gaming, shout out to you brother. It's good to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your generosity, goodness. Kaladin writes this, what are your thoughts on us over-the-road truck drivers that are away from home 50, 50 weeks a year and how we are treated for the sacrifices we have to make? I think it's deplorable what you guys have to deal with. I, I know a little bit about this industry. I have never driven long-haul truck or over-the-road truck, but I have had my own semi. I used to have a I forget if it was a 68 or a 69 Diamond Rio conventional tractor with a 40-foot trailer that I used to haul around my uh, excavating equipment around in. So I, I only did local hauling, my own hauling. I never worked, I never hauled freight, but I, I kind of get it a little bit. Because when I was in my Jeep parts business, I worked with a lot of truckers because I was buying Jeeps all over the country. And I worked with a broker to bring, uh, to bring the Jeeps in uh, to my shop. And I follow quite a few trucking channels. I've always been somewhat interested in it on social media and stuff. And I, I see some of these brokers, what they're expecting truckers, independent truckers to haul stuff for is shameful. Um, low balling guys, uh, terrible working conditions. Um, I don't think you're paid for what you, what you, what, what, I don't think you're compensated for the difficult job that you have to deal with. You know, the responsibility of a trucker with 80,000 pounds on, especially dealing with the insanity on the roads and how stupid people are. I mean, I, how you guys are able not to just road rage all the time when you're trying to deliver freight from point A to point B safely, and you got these morons that are cutting in front of you and slamming on the brakes. I just don't know how you do it. And it seems to me that there's more and more independent truckers that are just hanging it up, hanging it up like it's just not worth it. To go through all this aggravation and all the regulation 
and the pigs constantly dealing with me and the tickets and the regular, I mean, it's just, it's horrible. And the way cops treat you is deplorable as well. Our guys out there trying to make a living and they're just leeches off of you, just sucking resources and laying fines on you. It's just horrible. Well, come here, baby. Can you believe the rain? No. Oh, just stay right there. I'm in the live stream. What is it? You know what? What? It's pouring outside. It's absolutely pouring. Absolutely pouring. Well, put your raincoat out there and go tromp, tromp around. Watch out for the lightning. I see. I'm aware. So I can't be like a puddle jumper. You go puddle jump and I'll be out there jumping with you in just a little bit. Okay. I'm just finishing up. Tonight you have to jump with me. Well, we may be jumping instead of motor riding with this rain. Goodness. So I, I think it's terrible the way you're being treated, and I think it's a difficult job. And, and without you guys, uh, everyone's screwed. Uh, to be honest with you, because if you you bought it a truck, if you bought it a, tr a truck, brought it. Is that how it goes? What I'm seeing, what kind of a disturbing trend in the that's happening in the trucking industry is that guys that have always been independent, owning their own truck, over the road haulers. It's just not worth it to them from the regulations, the difficulty, the hassling from the cops, the expense, insurance, et cetera, et cetera. Brokers lowballing all of it. They're just giving it up and just going to work for local guys or going to work for companies that have their own trucks because they just can't deal with the headaches anymore. And that's going to manifest. That's going to put a lot of people in difficulty when you guys are not able or just choose not to do it. Really. If truckers were to unite, the quickest way we could affect change in this country with these woke companies, with these woke governments and such, would be for truckers to band together, especially independents. And there's only a one opportunity for you to do that. Now, when you're still a good portion of the trucking industry, that you're independent, where you can call your own shots, you have power. But as you're being bled dry and more of you leave and walk away from that and go to work for big companies, you lose that power to strike. You lose that power to not haul freight. or You lose that power just to say enough is enough. We're not doing this anymore. And that's when the whole economy would be brought to a screeching halt. So I don't know much more about it than that, but I know you guys have a tough job and the way you're being treated is unfair and you deserve a whole lot more because it's a difficult job. Uh, I know it is. I've done it. Thank you, brother. I appreciate what you do out there. And Mr. Max Mortar, we have a super chat. Max Mortar writes, mentor ideas was more of a homestead dude ranch thing. Yeah, you know, there's, there's going to be, there's probably going to be a position for something like that. You know, this is going to take a, a lot of effort to bring about. When you're bringing folks into your, into your home and, and such, you have to have help with this to organize this. So we will have full-time employees, I have no doubt. It wouldn't surprise me if we have two or three full-time employees, maybe a one or two in full-time and a couple part-time that will be people locally here, most likely, that could come in and work regularly. But I would imagine, you know, this is easy, I'm the idea guy, once we get down to the nut and bolts of it, you know, there may be more to it with insurance and liability and such, Mrs. W is really the person for that. But I could see where there would be opportunities for an internship where we would provide what I could how I would see this envision this happening in my mind is that we would put up a couple cabins and actually we're building a log cabin as a guest house as part of the deal. 
put up a couple small cabins, like a, maybe a 16 by 24, something with a kitchen, bedroom. It's nice. Has everything a man would need and offer maybe three month or six month internships. Uh, for So in exchange for coming and working with us, this would be helping with the classes, helping with the day-to-day -day running of things around here, being basically a personal assistant to me. In exchange for that, for three months, six months, um, we would provide uh, room and board, your food, um, a nice place to stay, uh, and a per diem, enough money where you could buy the things that you need, whatever, whatever, what, something that would be fair. It wouldn't be, you're not going to get rich off of this, but it would be kind of a learning type of thing for a limited time. I could see having a couple positions like that open um, for Proho. I think that that would be beneficial to a lot of guys. It'd be beneficial to us as well. Um, and it, it's, there's nothing new. This has been commonly done for a long time. So that is something that is on my mind to incorporate into this whole thing, 100%. Yeah, you're, you're, on the, you're on my wavelength there. Thank you, Max. That's a good point to bring up. We have a new member, Dark Angel. Shout out to you. Welcome. Welcome to the family. I really appreciate you joining us here, brother. And we have a super chat from our friend Jamie. Always good to see Jamie in the chat. Warms the heart when I see Jamie in here. He says, how do you manage mowing? How do you manage mowing on your property? I have a riding mower and an offset pole behind mower to cut down the time. I don't have big fields to mow. So what we're doing right now is we have, we have the small green area that's around the house, right? We have a Toro zero turn that we just take care of with that. It's not that big of a lawn to be honest with you, but the main fields. So I don't, I, we do hay, hay bales. Last year was our first crop that I finally got the irrigation kind of figured out. And I was told by a local that came and did the hay for me uh, that everything looked really good and I was doing a good job, that the field was looking a lot better than it had in years. So I'm hoping to even do better this year by really getting on top of my watering. And there's a lot to learn. You know, I don't know anything about farming, so I'm, I'm trying to pick up the best, I, trying to learn the best I can. But my ultimate goal and what I really, really want to do is I want to get my own equipment uh, to do my own hay. So I was actually talking to uh, a woman that knows all about this in the valley here just the other day. I guess I need three pieces of equipment. I need something to cut the hay, which would be a pole behind, uh, you know, something that would probably be maybe nine or 10 feet wide, cut the hay, and then uh, something, I think maybe they call it a rake, uh, a big rake that puts it up into windrows. And that, that's when you see in the field the long rows. So you cut it and it lays on the ground, and then you put it in wind rows, uh, long, those long rows, and that has to be up there for several days. And you have to do this at the right time. I think it like, takes 10 days from the time you cut to the time you bale is what the time frame is, is what I was told. And this dries the grass because you can't put the bales, you can't make the bales if it's wet or they'll, they can make animals sick and it will get um, mold or it'll rot or, or something, ferment. No, it's not good, you can't have that. It's gotta be 100% dry. Once it's dry by the sun, then you bring the baling equipment through, the baler, and that spits out the bales. You know, I think most of us are familiar with the process. But it's three separate pieces of equipment and all these are towed behind a tractor. Now the Yanmar is 60 horsepower. It's 
that's plenty enough. It's actually pretty well ideal for the acreage that we have here. We don't have a huge acreage. Um, but I think to buy all that equipment is going to be about $60,000. And that would probably be used. Um, so that's, that's what it's going to take. So I, would, I want to do that in the future. I'm hoping to do that uh, to get those three pieces. And then we'll start doing our own hay. And then, of course, we'll have to build a barn, right? So these are all ambitions. But for now, what we're doing with it, to answer your question, is that a farm, the farmer in the valley here, um, there are several landowners that don't have their own equipment. Uh, she brings her equipment over and cuts it and bales it for you, and we do a 50-50 split of what, the, um, of what the hay is worth. So it usually does pretty good because it's organic, very high quality, um, and it's in high demand from a lot of high-end horse breeders and stuff, which demand high-quality grass and, and, and hay and such. So again, I, I'm speaking a lot about things I don't understand. I'm just now getting into it and learning it, but that's what we do. So it's a 50-50 split. She comes and cuts it. She gets half, and we get half. Last year, we did it a little bit different. She came and cut it. We figured what the market value was, what it was worth, what we could sell it for. We had a buyer, I think, before we even cut it. So the demand is so high. And then instead of her taking it, we just paid her her half. So we, we paid her uh, for cutting it, and then we sold it, and then recuperated that back when we sold it. But that's what we're doing right now, currently, until I get my own equipment. Thank you, Jamie. Good, good question. We have a new member of the Living Man. Welcome. Shout out to you, brother. And Thirty Day Review says you can even get those pieces of equipment for walk behind tractors. Yeah, well, you could do it by hand as well. There, I was told by the uh, uh, guy I bought my weed trimmer from that there's guys using the power side, the steel power side that is an attachment on the big string trimmers. They're going out there and they're cutting it down themselves and um, and doing it the old way. And I know I know a couple of people in the valley that actually do that. It's a lot of work, um, but they put up their hay in big piles. You know, you've seen a hay pile, a needle in a haystack. You know, the old country where they would stack it up in those big beautiful rounds. That's the way they would do it. They would stack it up there and uh, let it dry in the sun. And they would have a big open wagon, like a big box, and they would drive along with the horses and with the pitchfork. You know, that's what they call it. A pitchfork has got the, has it got the three or the four tines. It's for pitching hay, sticking it in that pile, and throwing it up, up and over into that, that uh, wagon. Pitching it, a pitchfork. That's what it's for. You get a big old bunch of grass that way. That's what that tool was designed for. Yeah, am I going to be doing out there doing that? Not very likely, but it is possible. If we had a larger group, if we had a dozen people or so, and we had the right tools and such, um, I would imagine that in, a, in two days or so, you'd probably do 10 acres a day. Wouldn't be too, too, trouble, too much trouble, I'll bet. It'd be kind of a cool experience to do it the old way, wouldn't it? But you have to have a big barn to put up hay that way because it's, it's big and fluffy, where when you have it in the bales, you know, it's, it's so dense that it, it stacks in a lot smaller area. Yeah, Northern Man, you know, he's saying he's got the same experience. The local farmers will come and hay your field for you, and then you work out a deal. And sawmilling is the same way. Sawmilling is the same way. I had an idea. Um, 
No, I'll, I'll save this for another stream. Yeah, I'll save this for another stream. All right, gentlemen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut it down here. I'm looking forward to getting ready for the Sabbath. We've got to ride this evening. I'm gonna, I, well, maybe not. I was going to take Mrs. W out. I've got, I got her bike all set up for her, ready to go. I put a low seat on it so she can got, got on it and she can touch now with her tippy toes. But we were going to go out tonight for her first ride. But if it's going to be raining and storming, I might not. I might just, uh, might just hang out in the shop here. I don't know. We'll see. Thank you, beloved. Thank you for hanging out. Thank you to uh, all of the, the middlemen uh, for helping with the chats and moderating. I sure do appreciate that. Please keep us in your prayers, beloved. We pray for you guys constantly. We all need to pray for one another. There's great power in that. Um, sometimes you neglect that. I know I, sometimes I neglect that because we don't, and I think we do it because we don't get an immediate answer. And when you don't get an immediate answer in this culture of instant gratification, you can tend to think that what you're doing doesn't have effect or it's ineffectual. But that's not the case. The prayers, we have the exam, so many examples in the, Old, in the New Testament both of how prayer works. And you get a very clear impression that the prayers that you send up to your Heavenly Father, they do ascend and He does consider them. And depending on the complexity of them, there can be a lot of moving parts. There, there may be a lot of things that God needs to put in place, other people's life, lives or bringing a special person into your life through various circumstances and such that can't be done overnight, that need to take place, that he needs to, to massage. To a lot of things that we can't even get our mind around what takes place in the kingdom of God and in his mind to bring about circumstances to answer your prayers. It's a Herculean effort to say the, the least. And cause and effect. And he's also dealing with free will. He can't just force someone to do something. You know, he can, he may, but he doesn't typically. So persevere, beloved. Be consistent with these prayers. Just because you don't see, see, receive an answer right away doesn't necessarily mean that God's not hearing you. You have, to be, you have to persevere. God constantly rewards people who remain faithful, who press themselves into the kingdom, that are consistent with those prayers, and they will manifest. But just because you don't see something taking place doesn't mean that He doesn't hear you. Just be faithful, trust God, be faithful in your prayer, be consistent, and be realistic. And also ask God to ask you how to pray. You know, before you go in there and start asking for things, Ask him, is my heart right? Is what I'm asking for going to serve me well? Is it going to bring me closer to you or is it going to bring me further from you? Is it going to, the things that I'm asking for, am I putting God in a bad situation? Because maybe the reason why you're not granted your prayer is that God can see something that you can't. And what he sees that if you were to be given this or this were to be manifest in your life, that it ultimately would destroy you or it would undermine your faith or you would run off chasing something else and you would forget about God. And so he's reluctant to give it to you. You have to consider that. So a man's always on safe ground if you come humbly before your God. And he says, you, he says, you know, I know what you have need of before you even ask. So I'm starting to realize I quit asking for things because I don't know what's good for me. I don't trust myself to know what I need. I trust myself to, know what, to, to ask for what I think I need. But every time that I've taken the reins in my life and wrestled them away from God, I've, I've wound up in the ditch. And I've ended up 
in a worse spot than I was when I began. As I mature, my prayers are very different now. My prayers are more in the line of, Lord, thy will be done. Teach me how to pray. Teach me what to ask for. I just simply come humbly before you. I submit myself to you, and I confess my sins, and I submit myself, and I just ask, just want to be in your presence for a little bit. I just want to feel your love, that's all. And I trust that you know what I have need of, and I trust that you will bring to my attention the things that I need to do and to say. And my prayers are much shorter now than they used to be. I used to ask for things, complain, bitch, whine, hand ring, why won't you do this, God? Why have you forsaken me? Now my outlook is very different. Lord, thy will be done. Bring my thinking into alignment with your thinking. Make my thoughts your thoughts so that we can be in, in tandem together, that I can stop ruining my life. I could stop, and, and let me stop wrestling the reins away from you. You know, let you, be the, let you be the driver, let me be the passenger for a while. And when you come to that, it's a, it's a very wonderful realization and there's a great peace that comes with that. Knowing that you have a commander, a leader that, that knows you better than intimate, in, anyone, knows you better than yourself, that loves you and wants you to do well, that loves you with an everlasting love, that wants nothing more than to be reunited with you if you would just only listen and if you would just respond to the Holy Spirit. So I would just encourage you, and I speak to myself here as well. I'm never preaching to you, beloved. I'm preaching to all of us here. These are reminders to myself. I really, when I'm talking, I'm thinking out loud. And when topics come up, the reason why they come up because it's something that I'm struggling with. It's not, it's not me. I haven't arrived, gentlemen. I'm not on some high plane. I, I struggle the same as you, even more so in many ways. Because I'm publicly out here, I'm under more attack. I'm under the, I, I've got the, the adversary's attention. His, 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 the eye of Sauron is on me, so to speak, and my family. So we're always constantly under threat, spiritually and physically. But I have the armor of God, and I f don't fear any man. And man can take, the, man can take, the, take my life, but he can't take my, my position with God. You know, who can, the good book tells us who can wrestle them away from the hand of God. Once God's seal is upon you, once he's made you his own, then you are safe indeed. You are safe indeed. Thank you, beloved. May God bless you and your families. Keep us in your prayers. We'll see you guys on the next stream.